0: hello everybody and welcome to sharing everything that's katie that's me i'm joe that's him and uh our last name is balky yep because we're married yeah and we uh so far so good i'd say so so far so good i mean I, i always tag this podcast as like relationship oh yeah so technically it's like also a couple's cast we haven't really been branding it that way or promoting it that way but we also haven't been really branding (laughs) promoting it's true the show at all as far as i can tell the only person who listens to the show is in fact your dad
1: no you said we've got people
0: i mean the rss numbers show numbers Mm -hmm. but i don't that could be bots that could Mm. just be the nsa (laughs) um because anyone who works in government isn't really a person okay come at me bro um
1: well anyway i keep saying i'm going to get our twitter or our tumblr going you sure do and one of these days i'll actually do it because i think it'll be pretty cool because i'll go through for each of the episodes we've already done and i'll just like have like a number of different things that i'll reblog per movie like i'll reblog quotes and gifs and I,
0: I hear the people on tumblr tumblr really like gifts yeah uh they also apparently like sjw i'm not sure what that is it might be some sort of drug
1: what is sjw
0: that's what i want to know i hear a lot of right-wing people complaining <laughs> the about the face SJW. you're
1: making right now makes me realize this is a joke but i'm not catching on
0: yeah <laughs> well if anyone is out there listening email <laughs> the show at sharing everything show at gmail.com and tell katie what sjw is because i don't know i think it's some sort of drug like ghb maybe? no
1: okay ah oh, see i'm gonna make myself look dumb in front of my dad but <laughs> i think that that reminds me of that asmr stuff is that what that is
0: <laughs> no
1: <laughs> okay
0: it's not like asmr and it's not like bdsm
1: that's not was thinking of i was thinking of the stuff that makes you go to sleep or i don't
0: like, even know what asmr is supposed to do
1: it's supposed to relax you but it's creepy as is it heck supposed to relax you yes
0: no that can't be it
1: we're because it's just people doing this. i know it's really weird i don't like it they've oh no okay God. even just thinking about it, it's creeping me out
0: so speaking of creepy yeah what movie did we watch this week
1: we watched american psycho
0: yeah we did mm-hmm. finally they made a movie about my life american psycho
1: oh that's terrifying
0: why is that terrifying what's this movie about
1: it's about a psycho well
0: yeah but so where is he from though
1: new york city
0: oh so like in america
1: yeah oh yeah so so the movie the movie american psycho (laughs) does
0: in fact take place in america it does i'm glad that we got that ironed out so what do you think about the movie
1: am i supposed to tell you about it first
0: Oh, you did? It's about a guy who's a psycho and he lives in America. Like, what more is there to tell? When did this movie take place?
1: Uh, it took place in the 80s, I mm-hmm. believe, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and with a bunch of Wall Street yuppies. Mm-hmm. Privileged bourgeoisie folks. Yes. They were all disgusting and irritating and preppy and awful
0: the bourgeoisie is disgusting
1: i'm not saying in general i'm saying the characters in the movie i am reserving judgment
0: oh my gosh <laughs> you're, you're
1: reserving ear balls <laughs> i stop it stop, i can't i can't help
0: it move away from the mic if you're gonna be loud
1: <laughs> sorry i'm reserving judgment from the real people and focusing on these characters and saying they're all awful um, so the main character, the American psycho, as it were, is Patrick Bateman, mm-hmm. played by Christian Bale.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Who is neither American nor a psycho.
1: He might be a psycho. Might he be? I don't know. I really dislike him.
0: Really? Yeah. Why? Why do you
1: I, I'm not sure. I've just always disliked uh I just forgot his name. Christian Bale. Christian Bale. I've always disliked Christian Bale. Christian Slater, maybe it has to do with the name, Mm. and I've also always disliked Jude Law and Hugh Jackman, so... Hmm.
0: Jude Law, really?
1: (laughs) He is a scumbag. I
0: thought everybody liked Jude Law.
1: Everybody does, but he's a scumbag. Oh. He's like an adulterer and... Isn't
0: he also a member of the bourgeoisie class? I mean,
1: he's an actor, so probably. Might
0: there be a trend here?
1: Anyway. Are we uncovering uh, something?
0: (laughs) That the proletariat have nothing to lose but their chains and that we should rise up, (laughs) my fellow workers.
1: Anyway, um, so Patrick Bateman, he's like an investor on Wall Street, I think.
0: He does something. Yeah, he sits at a
1: desk and looks at dirty magazines. I don't think he actually has a job.
0: The fact that I think he must be some sort of, yeah, either like a stockbroker or uh, accountant or something because people are like, oh, did you hear that? What's his butt? Got the Flunderson account, and everyone's like,
1: "Oh my god, the Flunderson
0: account!" Like, it's so stereotypical. Yeah. Blur.
1: And they said it's his dad's company too, mm-hmm. which is another thing. Um, Are
0: you telling me that the bourgeoisie class <laughs> generally <laughs> operates with nepotism?
1: Yes. Um, so. Well, what
0: real world examples do we currently have in this country to show that nepotism might be a problem? Uh, in in the, the upper echelons of uh, our society and, if not, government.
1: Literally everything ever.
0: I mean, also, our president has <laughs> is surrounded himself with his friends and family. Yes. Okay.
1: Um. Okay, so I'm going to try to actually get through my summary this time. Uh, he's a Wall Street investor. He has also very white, male, early... 30s late 20s friends who are all the same uh presumably they are not psychos though um mm. i mean they might be
0: i guess that's something that we could discuss here hold this for a second mm-hmm. i'll do that beautiful there we go. Oh, beautiful
1: um so
0: so think <laughs> what what happens in, okay. the, in this movie
1: well patrick bateman kills people okay and animals.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And lies to everyone.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, listens to... Um, oh, crap. Why can't I... Oh, come on. I love them. Why can't I think of their name right now? That's about... Yeah. Uh, why can't I think of their name right gotta now? You got
0: stop screaming into the <laughs> I'm microphone. I'm screaming. You're making more noise music than me here.
1: This is so disappointing me right now.
0: Huey Lewis and Huey the News. Huey Lewis
1: and the News. i okay. you for not
0: screaming that into my microphone. Wow. He also listens to... Um, Aretha Franklin Mm -hmm. and um, Phil Collins.
1: So basically, uh, he invites Paul Allen out for dinner um, because everybody loves Paul Allen. And Patrick Bateman thinks that he's better than Paul Allen. So he wants to hang out with Paul Allen to confirm that he is, in fact, better than him. Uh, they go to this restaurant. Paul Allen complains because he's like, I could have gotten us in somewhere better. Dorcia. Dorcia. And Patrick's like, No, this place is awesome. Everybody comes here. Is that Ivanka Trump or Ivana Trump? And that was funny. Uh, and then he invites Paul Allen back to his apartment and puts on Huey Lewis in the News. And Paul Allen is drunk. And he says, Say, Patrick, why are there all of these newspapers on the floor? And then, Say, Patrick, is that a rain poncho you're putting on? And then Patrick says, Yes. Why, well, yes, Paul, it is. And then you're reading something and not paying any attention to it. I what am saying. listening. And uh, he uh, brings out an axe and smashes Paul Allen in the head with it to a very awesome soundtrack. And. Um, then Tip he... To be square. hmm And he takes Paul Allen's body, stuffs it in one of his fancy suitcases, walks out the front of his apartment, starts putting it in the backseat of his car, and then somebody else who works at the firm...
0: Louis, or Louis,
1: Louis, Yeah. Uh, he comes by, and he's like, Hi, what's up? And then Patrick's just standing there with this dude's body, and he's like, Okay, bye. And then he goes to Paul Allen's apartment, and... He puts, is that Paul's own apartment that he puts his body in the bathtub? Okay, Mm -hmm. so he puts Paul's body in the bathtub, makes it look like he left, leaves a voicemail on his message system that says, I'm going to Europe for a few days. Don't expect to hear from me. And then life moves on, and I think it's probably about a week or so later, Willem Dafoe, the detective, comes to talk to... um, The
0: ugliest person in the movie, Willem (laughs) Dafoe. He
1: comes to talk to... uh, Patrick and he's like say do you know Paul Allen who works here who has been missing for like a week or so and Patrick's like Paul Allen yes I do know him and he's just generally trying to be extremely charming and uh, try to distract William Defoe from Willem, Willem Defoe from actually talking about what he wants to talk about by saying can I get you this fancy mineral water and all these things and it
0: was just Perrier
1: and uh, so William Defoe is suspicious but he leaves and then um we sort of get other glimpses into patrick's life like he's engaged to reese witherspoon kind of but he doesn't love her and she's annoying and all this stuff and um
0: he's sleeping with lewis's girlfriend yeah
1: the drug addict who's like strung out the entire movie
0: no that's a different guy
1: no his girlfriend
0: oh yeah lewis's girlfriend.
1: yeah um i think her name was courtney or something Uh, it doesn't matter um and he there's like these weird scenes there's this it was like a oh it irritated me to no end they all compared their business cards that looked exactly alike no they looked exactly alike Mm -mm. but psychopaths Perfectionists like patrick was like oh he got the he got the ivory paper with the subtle the subtle raised lettering and i'm just like shut up it's a business card it's white it has black letters it's exactly the same um and then this is really funny <laughs> because because
0: there's there's been plenty of uh, a lady movie where there's like three dresses that all look the same but they're all like slightly different
1: <laughs> it's like oh my
0: god did you see the boning on her dress just oh my god
1: i know um and then we see other things like he not only is he sleeping with his fiance reese witherspoon and druggy courtney he's also sleeping with prostitutes um he picks up this prostitute brings her back to his house then he also calls for a call girl and brings her back to his house and
0: proceeds (sighs) to look at himself in the mirror while doing the both of them yeah it
1: was ridiculous Ugh, I hated all of those scenes. Um, And then (laughs) beats them before they leave.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. Um, Then some time passes and some other boring stuff happens. And then he goes to pick up that same prostitute again. And she, like, won't get in the car. But Then he coaxes her with money. She gets in and takes her back to his apartment. He also invites his friend. I'm not sure how he knows Uh, her. He invites some female friend back to his apartment as well. Um, And... He who broke. he ran into at the dry cleaner when he was trying to talk to the people oh, to get blood her? out of his sheets. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, then he proceeds to drug both of them mm-hmm. and coax them into having sex with each other. Mm-hmm. Then, sorry, then he chops up one of them. Mm-hmm. The other girl wakes up and says, what the heck is happening? And she runs naked runs naked out of the apartment and uh, down these awful nightmare inducing stairs mm-hmm. and then he just drops the freaking axe down the center of the stairwell and it chops her <laughs> and she's dead and he's just like so happy and he's just having a great time and it's awful um then something happens and then he kills an old lady at an atm and he kills her dog he kills a homeless dude um
0: and a bunch of cops. And,
1: oh, yeah, and a bunch of cops. Holy cow. And then he runs into his office building, there's, like, helicopters and SWAT mm-hmm. people, and everybody's like... Ugh. And then he calls his friend, who's his lawyer, and he confesses everything, and he's like, this is Patrick Bateman. I did all these awful things. I killed... I don't even know how many people.
0: No, he, do- he does know how many people, and he lists them all and how he killed them.
1: Not in the movie, I don't Yeah, think. he does. Okay. um, And then... He somehow, how does he get out of there? Oh, he just runs through back alleys or something?
0: I think he just falls asleep, wakes up in the morning and leaves.
1: Okay. Oh, and then he goes back to Paul Allen's apartment. hmm Walks in to where his body is supposed to be and it's clean and empty and some realtor lady is showing the apartment. hmm Then he goes to meet people from work for like breakfast or drinks or something. Mm-hmm. And he's sitting with them, and they're having some inane discussion. And so he gets up, and he sees the lawyer, Mm -hmm. goes to talk to the lawyer. And the lawyer's like, oh, yeah, that was such a great joke. And he's like, that's not a joke. And then the dude calls him Paul.
0: No, he calls him something else and says that I had lunch with Paul.
1: Oh, that's right. He calls him a different name. Mm -hmm. And then he's like, what are you talking about? I'm Patrick. And then then I'm like, mind blown, because I have no idea who he is. And then... I don't even remember how the movie ends.
0: Well, he basically says Patrick Bateman is too much of a dweeb to to do all of those things. And you're really starting to annoy me by like pressing this joke. Like, it was funny and mm-hmm. you're not. He's like, no, but I killed Paul Allen. He's like, no, you didn't. I saw him in oh, London yeah. and had lunch with him. Um, and then Patrick basically turns to the camera and his inner monologue says...
1: Ooh, well, that's, what, that's what we was, got here? That's
0: what I was bringing up that you're complaining about. <laughs> um, he says there are no more barriers to cross. All I have in common with the uncontrollable and the insane, the vicious and the evil, all the mayhem I have caused and my utter indifference toward it, it, I have now surpassed. My pain is constant and sharp, and I do not hope for a better world for anyone. In fact, I want my pain to be inflicted on others. I want no one to escape. But even after admitting this, there is no catharsis. My punishment continues to elude me, and I gain no deeper knowledge of myself. No new knowledge can be extracted from my telling. This confession has meant nothing. Dum, dum, dum. Um, and then at the beginning, he says something. So that's the conclusion to what he says at the beginning, which is this. There is an idea of Patrick Bateman, some kind of abstraction, but there is no real me, only an entity, something illusory. And though I can hide my cold gaze, and you can shake my hand and feel flesh gripping yours, and maybe you can even sense our lifestyles are probably comparable, I am simply not there. So, what did you think of the movie? I
1: Had... Mixed feelings about this movie. Um, while you were actually reading the book, I was completely horrified by everything you were telling me.
0: Yeah, me reading the book aloud did uh, bother you a little yes, bit.
1: Yes, it did. Um, r- watching the movie...
0: Not nearly as graphic no, or as violent no. as, or disgusting as the book.
1: It... It was a good story. I hated every single person in it. Mm -hmm. Um, I hated everything that the main character and his friends stood for and did and everything. Mm -hmm. Um, I hated the way that he treated women like they were nothing. Um, I hated the way that he felt the need to control them and everyone else and how he always had to be the best person at everything, always. Um, I... Liked the like the feel and the look of the movie. And I liked the music. I liked, um, I guess, the presentation of it. Um, but I never want to watch this movie again. Mm-hmm. Um, I probably would not recommend this movie to anyone. Really? <laughs> yeah. Um, and okay, so I have mixed feelings about it because, as we've talked about before, I'm like a true crime person. Yeah. I'm super into. Hearing things like this that have actually happened in real life So I don't know why it disturbed me so much that it was fiction Um,
0: I, I can tell you why why because nobody cared
1: I oh, yeah. The, hey, that's exactly it. That has to be exactly it because there is no Empathy or there's nobody to like connect with and feel like oh ah Okay, okay. So, anyway, I'm going to go back on my other thing now. So, I like true crime, right? Yes. And correct. <laughs> I listened, I spent the entire day at work today listening to a podcast called My Favorite Murder. Coincidentally, one of the episodes I listened to today talked about the book
0: that you're, oh, this book. This book. American Psycho. Because you're Psycho. also reading a true crime book.
1: And listening to about six other true crime podcasts.
0: While watching. True crime TV shows. Whenever I'm not
1: files, home. yeah, and then terrify myself. Yeah, and I have to put every single house light so in the you, house on.
0: <laughs> you have immersed yourself. <laughs> your entire solitary life away from hanging out with your husband has been consumed by immersing yourselves in the lives and times of people who murder
2: people.
1: No, that is incorrect, and pretty much. Everybody on all the hosts on all the podcasts say this to make themselves feel better, and I'm going to say it too, oh,
2: that yep.
1: it's for the victims, it's yep. not for the killers. Mm-hmm,
2: you bet.
0: <laughs> sure. Yeah, it's for the survivors. Mm, no, not yeah. the
1: survivors. It's for the people they yeah, kill. The it's people like, they
0: kill and their families and 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 future possible victims. Yes, totally. Of course. Yes.
1: Why are you saying it like that? Just, I'm,
0: I'm being silly.
1: So, one of the... I can't remember. I was going to look up the name of the person. I think his last name was Kemper. And he was called the co-ed killer. I can't remember his first name or any of the details of what he did. Stop looking at me like that. Kemper. I hardly know her. (laughs) Um... Yeah, so I'm very He's
0: he's the one who killed all the girls who were on their periods.
1: No, that's... Or they were menstruating. No, that's a different case. What's a different one? That's that's the Michigan murders. Oh,
0: okay. I can't keep all these killers straight in my head that you're telling me
1: about. (laughs) I've only told you about these (laughs) 2
0: Can't keep them straight.
1: So this guy, I believe it's Kemper, and he was called the co-ed killer. Um, Don't recall any other details of the case. But they mentioned one of the hosts of that podcast said that Brett Easton Ellis, Ellis, the author of American Psycho, either purposely or not purposely, <laughs> nobody really knows, I guess, misattributed a thing that Patrick says to Ed Gein, the serial killer. Mm. When Patrick says, when I see a beautiful woman, I either want to take her out and do things with her, or I think about how her head would look on a stick. Mm-hmm. It was actually this Kemper guy who mm. put people's head on a stick, I guess. Mm. So, he actually said that. Um,
0: I think he said Ted Bundy is who he was talking yeah, about.
1: Yeah. He... Okay. Yeah. It did have something to do with Ted Bundy. He misattributed Because Bundy it to just Ted ate Bundy. people. Yeah. Um, anyway, I don't know. I, oh, because I was talking about true crime, real life you, yeah, stuff. Yeah, you like
0: that, but you didn't necessarily enjoy American Psycho.
1: Yeah. Um... And as I've said before, I think it's because <clears throat> the reason why I like it in real life is not okay. I don't like it in the fact that I I do not want people to get murdered, okay? I do not want any... I always tell you, I just wish everybody could be safe and happy and that nothing bad ever happened ever. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> but.
0: but
1: the reason why I enjoy listening to and reading and watching things about true crime is so that... I can see warning signs and protect myself because I know that what I want for everyone to be happy and nobody get murdered is naive and like is impossible so the reason why I like true crime is because you see patterns and you can figure out what not to do which is another thing because why do you have to tell a girl not to dress a certain way to not get raped not tell people not to rape people but anyway (laughs) I'm going on many tangents. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, we haven't <laughs> talked about the movie very much this episode. Sorry. Because it was so terrifying. You, you didn't want to you, know, um, you don't wanna talk about it.
1: So I like it in real life because you can learn something from it. This movie, nobody had Nobody learned anything.
0: I know. Patrick Bateman had a monologue at the end about how he I learned. I know. Nothing. It did
1: it did not mean anything. Yeah. There was no point to what he was doing. He was just crazy and wanted to kill people.
0: Welcome to life, honey.
1: <sighs> nothing so, matters. So no nothing means anything. No, stop. Things do matter. Things do mean everything. This
0: No one's here on purpose. Dude. You live and then you die.
1: This fictional character was an idiot and I hated him. Um anyway, so yes. I did not like this movie because it was ridiculous and it's terrifying because there are people like that in real life.
0: One of them's president.
1: <laughs> yeah. I, I'm going to say I don't think Trump has ever killed anyone. However, I could be completely wrong. Um, but it, okay, so I'm going to try to focus on the movie now when I'm talking. <laughs> okay there were no redeeming qualities to anybody in this movie yeah and i know that it's some sort of like commentary on this time and this class of people who are all the bourgeoisie who are all i'm gonna run over everybody in my way to get what i want Mm -hmm. however i did not know what patrick wanted what did he want? He wa- I knew what he wanted at work. He wanted to be the best. He wanted everybody to admire him. He wanted to have the best business card. He
0: tells you right at the beginning what he wants. What did when he want? When he's talking to Reese Witherspoon. What did he want? I want to fit in.
1: That's what he wanted at work. But how is killing people in his personal life oh, well, going to make he him He tells fill, you that at in? the
0: end, that he feels pain all the time and he wants the world to share in his pain.
1: <sighs> That's... No. I can't with that because there are so many things you can do aside from killing people. To
0: make the world feel your pain?
1: No, you can change your mindset and say, yes, you can.
0: Okay, so this is where I I bring up the one true crime book that we have in this house that you have not read. Okay. The Columbine one. Okay. If you take brain scans from a, a person and then you take brain scans from a psychopath, the brain scans from a psychopath don't even look like they've come from a human brain. Um he, Patrick Bateman, if truly a psychopath, which it's in the in the title, like can't do other things. Like meditation would not help this man.
1: Meditation or medication?
0: Meditation. Playing squash, working <laughs> out, going for sunny walks. Getting a dog wouldn't help this guy. This dude is just, like, not a a person the way that we understand how people work. Which is why he's so terrifying. Because he looks like a person, but as he tells you in his opening little monologue thing, you can shake his hand and you can feel like there's something maybe relatable there about your lifestyles, but he's not there. Like, Patrick Bateman isn't a thing. Patrick Bateman is an abstraction like he, he's pretty clear throughout the movie when he narrates to you that like I am not like you like at all like he does not consider himself a person he considers himself an entirely separate entity who's just living among people and he's trying to figure out what those differences are and throughout the entire movie just doesn't He kills all these people. He tells people what he's done. And in the end, he's learned nothing. There's no catharsis. There's no nothing. Just meh. He's just broken.
1: This is making me really sad. I'm about to cry.
0: Yeah, so that's the tricky part as the audience for us is because... We kind of want to feel bad for him.
1: But I just can't. But you can't
0: because there's nothing redeemable about him. So the most you can do for Patrick is pity him. Which is why having all those people around him is so important. Because we can hate them. Because they're like us. They're just crappy versions of us. They're just greedy, self-centered, egotistical, selfish, greedy, gross people. But Patrick Bateman is broken. And the fact that he fits in so well with those people who are just normal people but greedy, and the fact that they don't care what he's done or even know when he tells them flat out is what is terrifying about this movie and what is so genius about this story. The fact that psychopaths can and do live among us, like, I think it's like one... Like, less than 1% of the population. It's like 23,000 people worldwide. Like, you've probably not ever met a psychopath in your life. But the fact that there are these people, and they live among us, and you would meet one, and you wouldn't even be able to tell, is what is so terrifying about American Psycho. And the fact that he just, like, openly tells people... Because he tells people multiple times through this movie, like the girl in the bar who is just like, you're a a dumb, ugly bitch and I want to shoot you in the head and play around in your blood. Mm -hmm. And then the other girl he meets at the club and she's like, oh, what are you in? What are you into? And he's like, "Uh, murders and executions mostly. Mm -hmm. And like nobody, everyone is so inside of them, their own selves that they just don't even notice.
1: I was wondering because... I took that as him, he actually said mergers and acquisitions as part of his job, but in his head he was being more true to himself and saying what he actually meant.
0: Okay, so there are two ways in which you can look at the book and the movie. Um, the book does a better job of sort of like having the differences, but the movie you can do this too. And we'll talk about the movie because we watched the movie and didn't you didn't read the book. Um, you can look at it as in those times when he's deepest in his mania um that's in his head and not really happening and we're just seeing it because we're inside of his head um and so maybe paul allen did just go off to london and he broke into his house or something and heard that on the tape and then imagined himself killing him taking him out to dinner and blah blah blah, 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 blah. or you can imagine that he's actually doing these things and um I'll bring up that quote that I always bring up. The more um, you tell people things are literal, the more people try to extrapolate. Mm -hmm. Which is why the way I choose to analyze and view this movie is that he, everything that we saw happening, totally happened. Totally happened in the real world. Everything he said, he said out loud. Everything he narrated in his head was just stuff narrating in his head and And that's how I choose to view it because otherwise the movie is just about like a really weird dude who just like imagines killing people. And that has like no impact to me aside from maybe lending more empathy on the character who who's like because then he's not a psychopath. Then he's got like schizophrenia or something Mm -hmm. Uh, or like borderline personality disorder or multiple personality disorder or something. Uh, But I choose to take everything literally, everything, all those bloody, brutal murders we saw happened, his his confessions, his telling people things flat out happened, and uh, that's the way I think that the story works the best, but it also reinforces some of my own biases against uh, the yuppie class and rich people and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, yeah. And, and like I, I got at earlier, the reason why this is not so interesting to you is because in your true crime stuff, and a lot of the stuff that you've at least told me about, like entire towns rally together to figure out who did this to solve it because the cops just won't or can't, and we have to solve it for justice, <laughs> and, and uh, that just ain't happening. People are just like, where did that, like, my favorite hooker has just been off the grid for, like, six months. I guess I'll just get a new hooker. Paul Allen's just been gone. Well, Howard says he saw him. Oh, okay. Because everyone everyone wants to fit in so bad. Everyone's just like, oh, no, like, he's not, Howard, or Paul Allen's not dead. Howard saw him in, in, in London. Mm-hmm. And then Howard just sticks to his <laughs> line. he's just like, no, I totally saw him.
1: Yeah, it's kind of scary that the real life stuff has the better ending, I guess, which is weird to say because well,
0: in real life people generally get caught.
1: Yeah, but like that's what I mean, like this movie like you didn't get that feeling of okay, we did our job. He's done. He can't hurt anybody anymore.
0: No, he's just beginning.
1: Yeah, so. Yeah. Blah. The more I think about it, the more I hate this movie.
0: Well, that's our show. (laughs) Tune in next week when we watch Babe, pig in the city.
1: (laughs) I wish, man.
0: (laughs) Tune in next week when we watch Charlotte's Web. No, we'll cry at the end of that one.
1: Yeah, that means Marley and me is out too. She, She died. (laughs)
0: <laughs> and all of her babies grow up without a mother mm. and her pig friend whose life she saved is probably just going to get eaten because people will just be like well they stopped spelling out words so let's do some trivia oh there was a thing that we we sort of uh, briefly touched on while we were uh, after the gym today what uh, this film Directed by a woman. Hmm. Mary Heron.
1: Mary Heron, how can you betray your female kind of so like
0: that? So she okay, so that's the thing, right? That's the thing that we that we're, we're wondering about. Um she directed uh an episode of The Late Show, Winds of Chains TV movie, I shot Andy Warhol movie. An episode of Homicide: Life on the Street. An episode of Oz. Uh, an episode of a TV series called Pasadena. An episode of The L Word. An episode of Six Feet Under. The movie The Notorious Betty Page. A bunch of move or a bunch of TV stuff. A short. Another TV series. Another short. The Moth Diaries, which looks like it might have Saoirse Ronan in it. Maybe a short called Armani. Anna Nicole TV movie. We the Economy, 20 short films you can't afford to miss, 2014, an episode of Constantine, an episode of The Following, an episode of Graceland, and six episodes of Alias Grace. So, she hasn't done a ton of stuff. Um, But, she did do uh, American Psycho. So, you think, y- your opinion, uh, you're willing to make the argument that this movie is anti woman
1: I don't, I, I do think that I would consider it anti-woman because women are the, well, okay, besides, aside from a homeless man and a dog, women are the only ones who are brutalized in this movie.
0: Well, and Paul Allen.
1: Oh, yeah, Paul. Okay. Um, and the few female characters in the movie who do not get murdered are not great
0: like like from chloe seven who seems pretty innocent and
1: i don't know i just feel like there was nothing in this movie said i don't like it's hard for me to articulate because i don't think anything in this movie was particularly worth telling because it didn't say anything kind of and i know that's dumb because obviously it said something but, like, what are we supposed to take away from this movie?
0: I mean, it's a pretty nihilistic movie.
1: Right. But, like, what are we supposed to take away from this movie in terms of women? That it's okay to kill people? Well, kill women? Like, I don't, I don't know.
0: To reverse the question, what are we supposed to take away from this movie about men?
1: Well, the... Like you said, the male characters in this movie were beside, aside from Patrick, were more or less normal people. Oh no! Yeah, that's what you said. They're I, just normal I, guys who are greedy and gross. But yeah, like,
0: yeah, I, I wouldn't say that men are normally greedy and gross and awful and self-centered and racist. No,
1: I know. I'm not saying men in general. I'm saying the men in this movie were generally normal. They were just like
0: awful, awful, awful people. Right. I, I said normal in terms of like, they're not also psychopaths. Okay. Not normal as in this is how people normally act.
1: No. Um, but like, so one of the women in the movie is just a druggie. Mm-hmm. There are some prostitutes. There's Reese Witherspoon who is apparently delusional and doesn't realize that her fiance doesn't want to be with her. Um,
0: or just does and doesn't care because he looks good and makes money. And she's been with him and his friends are her friends.
1: I guess. I don't know. I just personally did not get anything out of this movie.
0: Sure. So so are you saying that if a movie doesn't have an empowering like voice for women then it is an anti woman movie?
1: No. Perhaps I was too harsh when I said this is an anti woman movie. It did not treat any of its women characters well in the slightest. Mm-hmm. None of the men in the movie treated the female character as well yeah um like a movie does not have to be like felman louise
0: doesn't have to be wonder woman
1: yeah it doesn't have to be wonder woman to be a movie that treats that (sighs) now i'm confusing myself
0: okay well if i if i may offer some viewpoints um I would say that just because the women characters in this movie are almost entirely brutally murdered does not necessarily mean that this movie has an anti-woman agenda. I don't think that the movie itself has a misogynistic agenda um, or that it contributes to misogyny because it's not a movie about women. It's a movie entirely about men, particularly one man. And I don't think that just because it's a movie about men means that it's anti-woman because people, normal, rational people wouldn't say that Thelma and Louise is an anti-men movie, even though almost all of the men in that movie are horrible as well. Um, one could even go so far as to say that this is an anti-male movie because there's not one redeeming male at all. At least the women characters you can kind of feel bad for.
1: Willem Defoe.
0: I guess, but, I mean, you could even say that, like, he doesn't seem all that... He's just a private eye. He's not even a cop. And Mm -hmm. he's just, like, he's pretty detached and doesn't really care what happened to Paul Allen. He just wants to figure out, because he's getting paid, presumably, a bunch of money by Paul Allen's family.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And, he, I mean, he's barely in it, and he's just in it. Not even necessarily as a character, but just for a reason to show Patrick's declining... Um, hold on his sanity Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean this movie has a bunch of men in it and they're all awful they're all good looking and successful and they're all awful which one could make the argument and I'm not saying that I am making the argument I'm just saying one could make the argument that this movie is very anti-man because it shows successful men in air quotes and makes them look awful so one could then ask the question well then what are men supposed to do if going to the gym not be awful. <laughs> if going to the gym makes you an asshole and being rich makes you an asshole and being good looking makes you an asshole and having good taste in wine and suits and business cards makes you an asshole and I'm supposed to be successful so that I can raise money and be the breadwinner for my family then what the hell am I supposed to do?
1: I think the problem hearing you say all that is that Doing those things and caring about those things does not make you a terrible person. It's that if you make that your whole life, it does. Mm-hmm. And that's all we ever saw of these people.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and that is is the flaw of these people and the flaw of that argument, right? Yeah. Um, I don't think that this movie really contributes to the the gender discussion aside from just pointing out male vanity is very, very, very toxic mm-hmm. and masculinity can be very toxic if you let it. But that's not even necessarily the point Mm -hmm. of the movie. The book has a lot more um, to it because every time Patrick walks in a room, he names what everybody is wearing. Mm. Uh, He names the designer, the colors, whether it matches their shirt, what the designer of the shirt is, what the designer of the tie is, what kind of socks they're wearing, what kind of shoes they're wearing, if the pants match the suit, and so on. And so it's very muddled. In, in that sort of male vanity type of thing. Um, so, yeah.
1: Would you like to read me some trivia?
0: Would I like to read you some trivia? Yes, I would. Would you like to hear some trivia? I would. Okay. I didn't know if you were just asking me what I wanted to be like, too bad! <laughs> no. You're a man. Happy wife, happy life. Um, To block the three-way sex scene with two prostitutes, Mary Heron and Christian Bale watched X-rated tapes. In her commentary, Heron says male made stick figure drawings of the positions he thought would work best.
1: It's ridiculous.
0: Looking for a way to create the character of Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale stumbled onto a Tom Cruise appearance on The Late Show at David Letterman. According to American Psycho director Mary Heron, Bale saw Cruise... This very intense friendliness with nothing behind the eyes. Ooh,
1: (laughs) they're calling Tom Cruise a psychopath. And
0: Bale subsequently based the character of Bateman on that. Interestingly, Tom Cruise is actually featured in the movie. He lives in the same apartment complex as Bateman, who meets him in a lift and gets the name of Cocktail Wrong, calling it Bartender. That's right. There is a Tom Cruise cameo where he gets into the elevator with him and he's like, oh, hey, you're Tom Cruise. And Tom Cruise is like, yeah. I know everything else about this movie is so shocking that a weird Tom Cruise cameo as himself like doesn't even register.
1: Yeah, that was not on my radar at all.
0: It's also in the book.
1: Oh, weird.
0: Yeah, and he he goes on about it for a while and he's like, "Hey, I met Tom Cruise. Like, he lives in my building."
1: Maybe in the 80s that was something impressive, but Tom Cruise, he's kind of Yeah.
0: Again, yeah, in the yeah. in the 80s. Okay. It was a thing. During the shooting of the film, Christian Bale spoke in an American accent off uh, off set at all times. At the wrap party, when he began to speak in his native British accent, many of the crew thought he was speaking that way as an accent for another film. They had thought he was American throughout the entire shoot. I also... This has got to be a thing that he does, because I have watched interviews with him uh, around the time of him doing the Batman movies, where Mm -hmm. he's speaking like an American. Mm -hmm. So that just must be how he stays... Yeah. Consistent, unlike a lot of people whose accents really fade in and out. Mm -hmm. Uh, Shouts out to Carrie Fisher in the fifth Star Wars episode. Uh, The film had various problems with designer labels during production. Karuti agreed to allow Christian Bale to wear their clothes, but not when the character was killing anyone. Rolex agreed that anyone in the film could wear their watches except Bateman, hence the famous line from the book, Don't Touch the Rolex." had to be changed to Don't Touch the Watch. Perry Ellis provided underwear at the last minute after Kelvin Klein pulled out of the project. Comme de Gaussin refused to allow one of their overnight bags to be used to carry a corpse, so Jean-Paul Gaultier was used instead. This is, like, something that kind of reinforces a mm-hmm. lot of the claims that the movie makes. Yep. Ewan McGregor was subsequently offered the role of Patrick Bateman, but declined after Christian Bale personally urged him to do so. (laughs) Ewan, I want this role. Go do... uh, I guess he would have then gone off to do more Star Wars prequels, because this movie came out in 2000, Mm -hmm. and I think uh, Phantom Menace came out in 99? Sounds about right. The single biggest cost of the film was purchasing the rights to the various songs used throughout. Which yep. makes, makes sense. Christian Bale was warned by many that it would be career suicide for him to play the lead in a film like this. The only uh, This only made him more eager for the part. Fortunately for him, the opposite turned out to be true. Bale's role in the movie was considered a breakthrough performance and enabled him to shift his career from supporting roles to leading man status in the decades to come. This finally culminated in roles in the Batman and Terminator franchises, wide critical acclaim, as well as several movie award nominations. During production, Christian Bale followed the morning routine that his character Patrick Bateman describes toward the beginning of the film, which it was long like he uses like eight he uses more facial products than you and I both do combined. Yeah. His morning routine takes probably about mine throughout the week combined.
1: I can't recall where it was or what the context was, but it was some article I was reading. I was reading the comments and somebody commented his entire monologue that he makes while he's oh, yeah. doing his morning routine because it tied into the article and i really wish i could remember what Um. it was but there's like one line in particular of his monologue that somebody else replied to that comment and said do you think that uh oh it was talking about the brands of products that he was using Mm -hmm. and people were like do you think that uh this did more to make men want to take care of themselves or less or or something like Mm -hmm. that
0: so didn't affect me in any way (laughs) i said if if that's what it takes for me not to have pimples into my mid-twenties, then I'll just keep them. That's fine. That's <laughs> okay. In the DVD commentary, Mary Heron says that during the first shower scene with Patrick Bateman, all of the women on set gathered around to watch Christian Bale wash himself. Oh my god. Which is great. Because if... If you were watching some DVD commentary with a male director... And there was a female shower scene, mm-hmm. and that exact thing was said, it would be all over BuzzFeed, and all <laughs> over Tumblr, and all over Twitter, and all over everywhere, saying, Can you believe that these gross men would do such a thing and gawk at this woman who's just trying to do her job? <laughs> Meanwhile, just like Patrick Bateman is definitely an object, <laughs> or Christian Bale is definitely an object. It's like, oh well, oh well. <laughs> Let's have a half an hour male stripper scene in Orange is the New Black. Doop, 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 doop.
1: That scene, okay, man. Orange is the New Black season five is off the rails.
0: It's really bad, and I really, I, I, don't find stuff like that. I'm not a woman. I don't find stuff like that empowering for women at all.
1: No, it was incredibly uncomfortable that entire scene.
0: Like, wait, so you guys are just doing the thing that you hate when men do? Mm-hmm. Is that equality? No. Or, or is that just bad? Because all of the anti-feminist people I see always cite stuff like that. And they're like, women hate it when they when we do it to them. But uh, if a man gets called on the street, no one gives a shit.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: I'm like, well, that's not completely untrue.
1: <clears throat> yeah. There's uh, people. Two wrongs do not make a right. That's all I'm going to say.
0: All right. When Leonardo DiCaprio was still attached to the project, feminist activist Gloria Steinem lobbied him to not make the film, as his fan base consisted predominantly of young teenage girls and could ruin his career. Steinem had also spoke out about the novel several times and was against the film version in any incarnation. Her involvement is rendered especially interesting insofar as she would soon become Christian Bale's stepmother, as Steinem and Bale's father were dating at the time that Bale accepted the part. Bale later dismissed rumors that he specifically accepted the role to urge Steinem as unsubstantiated (laughs) gossip.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Brett Easton Ellis was sent (laughs) several death threats after American Psycho was published.
1: Do you think he's a psychopath?
0: Brett Easton Ellis? Yeah. No. No? No. I think he's a weird dude.
1: How can you write something that terrifying and be in the mind of somebody that terrifying without thinking that way yourself?
0: Uh, Self-control. And being an, a well-adjusted person. Okay. Um, The whoosh sounds during the famous business card scene was created by slowing down the sound of a sword being drawn from its sheath.
1: That's what I was thinking. That's awesome. That it was like some sort of Mexican standoff or that something. That is the
0: sexiest thing I have read today. <laughs> like that as, as a person who enjoys sound
1: yeah,
0: makes me feel so good. Because <laughs> like that's exactly what they're doing.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Ugh. Such a good movie. Such a well-made movie. Such a well-made movie. The events that Bateman mentions in the phone message to his lawyer are events that transpired in the book by Brett Easton Ellis, but not in the film. Initially given an NC-17 rating by the MPAA, the cinematic kiss of death due to distribution dis- difficulties. Mary Heron argued volubly against the rating, but was forced to make some minor trims to receive an R rating. The name Bateman is derived from the main character of the movie Psycho, Norman Bates. Of course, everybody knows that. We can tell by reading Patrick Bateman. It's not hard to tell. After the novel was originally optioned in 1991, author Brett Easton Ellis himself was set to write the script for director Stuart Gordon with Johnny Depp starring as Patrick Bateman. Gordon wanted to do the film in black and white and stick as close to the book as possible, meaning a guaranteed X rating. After the project fell through, David Cronenberg replaced Gordon with Brad Pitt set to star. The project also failed to get off the ground. Can you imagine a David Cronenberg? Mm. That would be the goriest thing that had ever happened on film.
1: Makes My tummy hurt.
0: The vast majority of the dialogue in the movie is taken word for word from the novel, uh, which I noticed. Humble brag. Totally noticed that. Bateman excuses himself from a conversation by claiming he has an appointment with Cliff Huxtable. This is Bill Cosby's character (laughs) in the the Cosby show. Considering
1: Um, what's happening right now. I think they're in jury deliberation now.
0: The defense just rested. There's final arguments to be made soon. Okay. This is a long one, so this is going to be the last one that we read. Because I also have another thing to bring up before we end. When Lionsgate... Picked up the rights for the film, Mary Heron was set to write and direct. Initially, she considered various actors for the role of Patrick Bateman, including Billy Crudup, who was offered the part but turned it down, Ben Chaplin, Robert Sean Leonard, Jonathan Sheik, Johnny Lee Miller, and Jared Leto, a vent who was in the movie with a really bad yeah. red wig. Did you notice that really bad red wig?
1: No, I didn't realize it was um, a wig.
0: It, it looked like a wig. To oh. me. But it might have just been really bad red hair. Jared Leto has awful hair.
1: Like in real life?
0: Yeah. Have you not seen his hair? Like
1: I know he has long hair. He looks
0: awful in oh. every picture I've ever seen him in with his hair. Okay. Eventually, Heron offered the part to Christian Bale, who accepted. The producers tried to talk Heron into casting Edward Norton. <laughs> who, Who is, who is a supposedly a huge asshole. Is he? I think I read in the Birdman trivia that... He was given that part because, like, that's who he is in oh, real life.
1: Oh, yeah, maybe.
0: But um, but she refused to to talk to cast him and was ultimately allowed to cast Bale, but only on the proviso that she cast at least two other big-name actors in supporting roles. To this end, Heron hired Willem Dafoe to play Kimball and Reese Withers to play Evelyn. However, after they agreed to appear, Lionsgate told Heron that they were going to make an offer to Leonardo DiCaprio to play Bateman anyway. Heron told them if they did, she would leave the project, which is exactly what happened. Oliver Stone was subsequently hired to replace Heron, working from a script by Matt Markwalder. Stone was set to cast James Woods as Kimball, Cameron Diaz as Evelyn, Elizabeth Berkeley as Courtney, and Chloe Sevigny as Jean. Stone also appeared to keep Leto on the project as Paul Allen. However, DiCaprio left Project to shoot The Beach instead and as the budget began to get out of control stone also left prompting lionsgate to rehire heron who returned to original casting directions and decided to keep seven on the project <sighs> this was the film that like almost didn't get me yeah but i'm glad it did because it's awesome um so i think we talked about this as i was reading the book but it's just another thing that I kind of wanted to bring up during our discussion, so we'll do this instead of our mm-hmm. uh, survey, since we're, we're we're running long anyway. Because this is such a such a fun movie to talk about. Uh, so Brett Easton Ellis has had relationships with both men and women, mm-hmm. and at times in interviews has given his sexual orientation as straight, bi, and gay, and um, at some point just decided to stop telling people what his sexual orientation was because sexuality is fluid and he's probably just a bi-man who is maybe not necessarily bi-romantic and might be homo-romantic, but bisexual or something. Doesn't matter. Um, He did say that around the time of this book being published, he didn't necessarily want his sexual orientation to be a big deal because he figured people would take the book differently uh, if they thought a gay man wrote it. Um, than if they thought a straight man wrote it. And, um, so I'm asking you, if I told you that a gay man made this story, would you feel differently about it than if I told you a straight man made this story? No. No?
2: Mm-mm. Okay. I do, you,
0: do you think that it would, like, because I can see people thinking that the the book and subsequently the movie are misogynistic, mm-hmm. like you have expressed um, if a straight man wrote it, but maybe not so much if a gay man wrote it because then they would be like, oh, well, he was focusing more on the men and you just need women in this world. Anyway, no,
1: you can be misogynistic whether you're straight or gay. So. Oh, sure. Definitely. So I don't think it would have any impact on how I viewed the story because I still think he's kind of psycho himself.
0: Okay. I, I'm, I'm wondering if maybe that was a bigger deal in the eighties when the book was written. Oh, or early
1: 90s. that could be. Yeah. That's probably actually true. Um, But no, I don't think even if I had been alive back then and had watched it, that I would have felt differently about it knowing that. I don't know. What do you think?
0: Well, I mean, aside from just, like, the views on women portrayal um, might be different based on the sexual orientation of the man. Um, Also, there is... Uh in that scene in the bathroom where Patrick starts to strangle mm-hmm. Louis and he turns around and kisses him mm-hmm. uh that subplot is carried through a lot further mm-hmm. with Louis being like really like pathetically falling over Bateman mm-hmm. and like making scenes in public and things like that. Hmm. So I guess maybe that would if a straight man wrote that it would be like homo or homophobic but if a gay man wrote it then it's uh acceptable or something i don't know but i i can see him wanting people to kind of leave that out of it because i guess it could potentially color the story which has which i find has very deliberate messages within Mm. it um I mean, this, this is definitely not, like, an experimental film. This is a very deliberate, not symbolic film. Yeah. This film is saying something to you, and it's up to you whether or not you want to listen to it. Uh, and I really respect the film for that. Uh, so if you were on a desert island, who would you want to help Yeah,
1: Nobody. I would jump in the water and swim just to get away from all of them.
0: <laughs> I would want Jean, because she is healthy and nice Okay. I was very happy upon my first viewing that he didn't kill her and I really liked that he was like you should leave because I have impulses that I'm afraid I'm going to not be able to withstand anymore so there there were those moments in the film where he had little pieces of like almost humanity Mm -hmm. Um, but I think also that was just like I'm gonna go crazy and get caught and
1: I don't want that to happen yeah
0: so alright what are we watching next week
1: Next week, we're watching The Age of Adeline. The
0: Age of Adeline, which is not the Danish girl.
1: No, I don't even know what that Did is. Did they come
0: out the same year?
1: What are you talking The about? Danish
0: girl. It was oh, about with like Eddie Redmayne? A- yes. Yes, <laughs> Queen. Yes.
1: No, it's not that movie. Okay.
0: The Age of Adeline has Blake Lively in it, yep. who is not Melissa Benoist.
1: They don't look anything like Are you sure? Yeah. All
0: right. Well, I—I I don't know. All these white women—they all look the same. Uh, I'm turning on the wrong fader. <laughs> there we go. Um, did we get any emails?
1: I oh, don't know. I haven't checked. Oh,
0: take a look. All right. We'll just groove on this. On this—on this very manic episode of. <laughs> Uh, Sharing everything, which I almost just called They Might Be Giants for some reason. No emails. No emails to the They Might Be Giants show. Uh, Okay, folks. Here's the deal. Give us a five-star review on iTunes, would you? Yeah, please. Also, also, as they would say in German. Uh, Please. Send us an email if you have something to say to us. Uh, Sharingeverythingshow at gmail.com. You can find us on the web at noisemakerjoe.com slash sharing everything. And until next week, when we watch The Age of Adeline, uh, keep loving and talking and sharing and not murdering people. And if you think that you might have a mental disease, go see uh, Shrink.
1: That was good advice. Thank you.
0: It's time for me to take my Lex Pro now. See you next week. (laughs)